This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Hey, is that the official intro? Yeah, yeah, okay. we're in. Okay. You heard hey, the click track. I did hear the click track. Hello, and welcome to episode 147 of the of the Hooniverse podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Glucker, and joining me is Dr. Roxo. He's a rock and roll clown. Nobody else watches Metalocalypse. Uh, <laughs> I gave up on Metalocalypse <laughs> right. a long time ago. It, uh, you should have yeah. stuck with it, because it was fucking great. Um, that's Chris Hayes. Yeah. He's not a rock and roll clown. No. no um, not. <laughs> we have two guests in the studio this evening as well. Say hello to Aaron Gold from... A few outlets, but I, I believe about.com is about still your moneymaker for the is most the money part. Forbes.com, uh, Diesel World Magazine, Autobytel, AutoWeb, Consumer Forbes Reports. Forbes is the literal moneymaker. Right. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen. I'm still, I just signed on to well, it. Well, maybe so not so much for you, but for other for people. Other people yeah, when, all your bo- when all your bosses at Forbes get outed in the Panama Papers, you can slide up the ranks. There's always about.com <laughs> to fall back on. There you go. Uh, also in the studio tonight is Mr. Miles Brandman. Uh, you're a freelance journalist. You, you, I'd say your biggest um, – where they can find you most often is digital trends at the moment. Yeah. And yeah, then you have it. a number of other clients you're working with and stuff like that. And you did a review of a motorcycle for Hooniverse. I did. Yes. It went pretty have well. Have you done other things for Hooniverse or is it just that? Just, you know, be your bitch. Okay, cool. Also uh, in the studio is Jeff Glucker's sunburn. Yeah. What's up uh, with that? We'll get to that. Uh, it, it's car related, so that's good. Um, and Jason will talk about it on Camden Tub on Friday. But um, first, we're going to kick this off the way we try to kick it off. And we're going to talk about some news items. And the first news item, because it's the biggest news item, um, is the Tesla Model 3. And I was there! (laughs) Oh, you were. Excellent. Yes, I was. Because I was trying to assemble a show over the weekend with people I knew that were there. I did not know. And it just the bottom fell out on the show, unfortunately. I didn't know I was going to be there either. And then, uh, uh, so Consumer Reports asked me to cover cover uh, cover it for them. Uh, I do some freelancing for them, and then another place in England uh, asked me to do it for them. And the place, the magazine England, said we may be able to get you some seat time with or some face to face time with Elon Musk, which didn't happen. Uh-huh. So I had to call up Consumer Reports and go. Uh, the guy gets reports to go. Is this going to get me in trouble? You know, because they didn't give. Their their recommended rating to oh, the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Model S, and they said, "No, no, no, no. They're they're totally good with it. They, they're they're very friendly." They, Elon well, yeah, said he loves the Consumer other Reports. Part of Consumer Reports gave it like one hundred and five out of a hundred. One hundred and three out of a first first one scored ninety nine out of a hundred. Then they got a P eighty five D one hundred and three out. And here is the cool part because I've had to write about this ninety seven thousand times. Um, so they did a survey of fourteen hundred owners, and the car was rated uh, much worse or worse than average for reliability, which I think is the half a black. Yeah. Circle, uh, you know, the yin and the yang. 97% of those same people said they'd buy another one. I know, which is fucking crazy. Which Dude. tells you pretty much all you need to know. It's not, it's, 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 an, it's an iPhone is what it is. It's, it is an iPhone. Yeah. It's, it's idiots that are complaining about small software bugs rather than actual reliability. No, it's because they listed the problems and they're things like uh, the doors don't.
don't open when you approach them. Uh, the screen freezes. Sunroof leaks. Rattling. Apparently, so squeaks and rattles end, is a big one. High-end yeah. luxury car. Yeah, yeah. And, and and yeah, and and replacing the drive unit. But wow. from what I've read on so, the forums, they're really quick to do that. In five years, yeah. Tesla has met parity with Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But that's the thing. It's apparently from what I read on the forums, like there's a slight problem. Like there's a little, you know, the, there's some lash in the backlash in the gears that shouldn't be there. They just replace the whole the whole powertrain. That's but, nice. you know, that's the concern. See, well, I think the reason that the Tesla owners love them is because apparently when something goes wrong with the car, from what I understand, Tesla is like Johnny on the spot with a flatbed and it's they no come and they take it. Anything. They yeah, just they do just do so it. So Costco of vehicles? Um, well, no, because you don't have to wait in that stupid line and, and, uh, and you can't get no, your eyes they're, examined they're in Apple a Tesla. And everybody gets access to the Genius Bar is what it is. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Apple, Apple sucks unless you buy uh, Apple Care. Right. I hate I don't hate Apple. I'm not in the Apple. I own an Apple, but I'm not in the Apple Yeah, but you also universe. have a Raspberry Pi. You run Linux. That's true. I do. I'm actually tri-dextrous. I have Windows on my desktop. Apple is my couch laptop, and Linux is my uh, is my travel, travel laptop. laptop. And I got a Raspberry Pi. Now, the, the, the crazy thing with the Tesla stuff, though, is the fact that there were over, now at this point, over 270,000 pre-orders for a car that people haven't driven. They've barely seen it. Um, that that number blows. I get I get they're going off claimed numbers, but to that many people throwing cash at this is is insane. When I saw it, I, and mind you, I think it was on this show that I said I was considering putting money up for a pre order, and then when I actually saw it, I'm like, mm, never mind. No, it's ugly. I think it's ugly. I, I, the I, face is ugly. I had this line that that uh, I, I put in one of my articles. I don't remember whoever whoever's article I used it and didn't publish. I should have put it in Forbes because I got more control over what I published. But it was like it's as if the guy whose job it is to cut out to cut out an opening in the front and put the grill in place called in sick. But they had to ship the cars anyway, yeah. so they just did. Yeah. It's like when you see a bumper car factory, you know, and they haven't finished the bumper car fiberglass bodies. <laughs> to me, it looks like what. Future cars were shown as in like late 1990s films, but but future cars don't need grills. So I'm, but you can still do. It has a little, it has a little one down at the bottom. Because I mean, when are people actually going to get their cars? Yeah, Yeah. speaking of future cars, yeah. 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 I mean, if if you think you're getting your Tesla Model Three next year, (laughs) go Mm. fuck yourself. If you're in. The first 50,000 pre-orders, you might get it in the next 18 months. By the way, there's one thing I want to add to your number. Speaking of pre-orders, you know, 115,000 of those came in before the reveal, before you right, could go right. online. Yep. And I actually went to our Tesla dealership in uh, the closest one to me is Burbank. And the line went around the corner to the end of the building and back again. People at front, I got there at noon. People at front had been there for three hours. Well, the hilarious thing is those idiots could have done it online. Right. Well, no, they couldn't, though. That's the thing. They couldn't until the presentation. The, I think the day before, oh, if no. I understood it, they, I they, they, didn't they allowed me in well before that, and I didn't really? go in some with some special press thing. I, I I just went to the website and they're like, "Would you like to put in a pre-order?" And I and I thought about it for a few minutes. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll wait to see what it looks like." But but so in response to the thing that people hadn't even seen the car, they're willing to put in money. My question is, because there was so much delay and like mystery around the car, do you think that actually benefited Tesla in the end, like the hype factor, just getting it? So um, I think that Tesla just has that built-in hype at this point. People are going to buy it based upon, uh, based upon the product record, and that's yes. that's what they're going to do. It's 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 akin to 
Cars have now become consumer electronics, which is very expensive consumer well, electronics. Well, no, that car, that car is a right, consumer electronic. Because, look, because there is a 200-mile, $35,000 EV for which the details have been published for months now. Right. Uh-huh. And there's no 200-and-something there thousand no orders. In line. Nope. Yeah, no waiting in line. Nobody's ordering. I think, that, I think what's happening is people are regarding the Tesla. They're not regarding it as a car. They're, you know, it's like Apple people will buy the next iPhone no matter what. I right. mean, you could have a big picture of Steve Jobs' bottom as the, as the, <laughs> as the home screen, and people... People will buy it, it. Yep. because yeah. it's you an app. slide along its crack. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have an iPhone, and I have a Mac, and I know that if I went and built a PC or you know, a PC-based laptop, I could wreck this thing for so much less money. Yes, but you'd be running Windows, and but that's I no good for But I grew up anybody. using Windows, <laughs> actually, and it's yeah. fine. Well, actually, first of all, you could be running Linux, which I do, but for the record, <laughs> no. For the record, my, my Windows laptop is more stable than my Mac. Let me put it this way. I, I've spent many years doing software engineering. I have no desire to touch Windows again ever in uh, my I fucking used to, life. I used to have to fix the things. I was an IT guy in my past life. But here's the thing, by the way, Jeff. Yeah. So, so one of these days, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You'll play BeamNG. We were talking about this earlier. Uh, uh, you'll play BeamNG on my wife's laptop, and you'll love it. And then I'll tell you how much we paid for that laptop. Oh, okay. it's probably like six hundred bucks. No, less. La- uh, like three hundred. Okay. Um, yeah, um, but back to the the whole. I mean, the <laughs> Tesla thing is that. They are people are treating it as a consumer electronics device yes. because it's a new brand, and they're not they're not pitching it the same way that you would a car. Yes, they're marketing it. They don't give a shit about automotive press for the most part. I mean, they they no. they are a tech. What's company. also interesting is Elon Musk is basically a celebrity at this point. Yeah, like someone was telling me this yesterday. Like they were doing research for Snapchat, and one of the top seven things people were looking for on Snapchat was like Elon Musk. He was like he's like Iron Man to people. Yeah, and so he is as much part of the Tesla image as the entire v- the vehicle. Well, he took the crown out. of most notable U.S. CTO once or CEO once Steve Jobs died. It's just that yeah. simple. I mean, that is that is my industry. That's where I come from. And I mean, just looking at it, and he took it over, and not and he's nowhere near the showman that Steve Jobs mm-hmm. was. It's just that he has a track record that people aren't used to seeing. He's had success after success after success. They don't tell you about the fact that the company, the way he got into PayPal, his company was worth almost nothing, and it was just a fluke deal. It worked out by a couple of venture capital guys. Mm-hmm. But he's just had a – he's a very determined guy that's had um, – that's very good at hiring the right people. Uh, and that's, that's where – that's why he's got the status that he does now. So. Well, moving on from the Model 3, because we could spend the whole friggin' show talking about that, just because yeah. there's so many crazy things on it. Uh, next bit of news is is about uh, something that does burn gas, and also probably burns a lot of oil. Patent applications <laughs> surfaced that showed that Mazda might be bringing out a new rotary engine into the fold. A turbo rotary, I believe. Uh, and this is people are thinking this could be the Skyactive R. This could be an RX-7 revival finally happening. I mean, this this could be pretty cool if you're a fan of Mazda specifically. If you're not, you're probably like, that's stupid. It'll Things never that make happen. you go, hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one's old enough to remember the commercial. I'm not Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's almost a nod to Blake, though, too, because we always used to go, huh. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever driven a, a Vonkel-powered vehicle. Aaron, I'm sure you have. I though. have. Uh, what's I mean? It's what's it like? RX8. It's neat. It's it's kind of like uh, I mean, it helps to know 
kind of what's going on. It's been obviously a lot of years, and RX-8 was it for me, but it was it's cool. It's just – I mean, you can make a piston engine do what the thing does, but if you know what's going on under the hood, right. it's just, you know, that's part of it. you got to know just, what's going on. When you drive it, nothing happens to at least 6,000 RPM. Yeah. It's a bit – You have 2,000. It, no, it's way less torque than an S2000. Really? Oh, yeah. 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 It's You have to keep it on the boil. Otherwise, it just falls flat on its face. It is – and the, the jokes about the fuel consumption and the oil consumption mm-hmm. are not jokes. Right, right. It's very real, and that motor will never see production. That's why – That's I mean, I understand why they would play into their heritage a little bit, and so I, I could see why they would do it, especially if they have an updated version that's better at these things. But as someone who never worshipped at the altar of that car mm-hmm. and that engine, I, I feel like there could be – better ways to go well, well it's, so is it like- chris is a good i'm sorry forgive me for it's it's a good point though because you know you think about it software wise you know with modern technology maybe you can p- cure a lot of the running problems but you can't cure oil consumption with right. a computer no right. if it's unless, gonna leak it's gonna leak unless they've you know imbued the the engine with pixie dust and made new uh, some in, new invention of apex seals it's an unfixable problem yeah. in that motor so my first ride in a rotary, so my my uh, my mother met my stepfather because he owned a used car dealership, and she sold him a car. And for a while, he had an RX-4, nice. a blue RX-4 with a velour interior, yes. which is about as nice as you could get in a Japanese car in yeah. the late 70s, early 80s, blue velour interior with a manual transmission. Right. And he, we, he drove around in the RX-4. It kept backfiring. It had some kind of a – it wasn't a bad backfire. It had a pollution – Pumps uh, problem. It was something. Mm-hmm. One of the smog pump. My a stepfather pollution pump. That's pollution my, pump. That's what, what my it. truck has. The pollution, pollution pump. pump. <laughs> it's it, my, my stepfather could never fix a car, but you would just drive around and it would run fine, but it would kind of go <laughs> every once in a while, and nobody could fix it. Now I just realized, you know, I kind of bagged on rotors a little bit there, but there are some cars built with the when they do the the multi rotor setup. Those are fucking rad as hell. Oh, rotor, like four I rotors, mean, tri rotors, yeah. that stuff. Like uh, that guy Rob Dom, I think that YouTube guy. Yeah, I think he's got a quad rotor set up. Right uh, now. Mad Mike, I think has a quad rotor because there are not a lot of quad rotors in no. the world because no. it almost needs parts based off what Mazda ran in their seven eight seven B to make that it's, work. You've got to do some custom stuff to yeah, get it yeah. done. And there's a company in Australia that I think does most of it. So you have yeah. to have then sh- stuff shipped from Yeah, them. modded RX-4s are a thing in Australia, and they're cool. And they're Puerto really Rico, cool. I think, too. I think they drag race those down In there. Puerto Rico. No, you know what? I've been to Puerto Rico several times now, and Puerto Rico, if you ever wonder how Suzuki posted the sales numbers that they did, <laughs> they're all, I think it's all ex-rental cars. The entire, like, half the half of Puerto Rico is populated by Suzuki's, nice. and the other half by, like, uh, Toyota Echoes. Wow. Probably not the Roxy edition. I saw one of those on the road the other day. It was shocking. Um, so moving on here, um, this is one that our friend from Camden, Tub, Brad, Camden Tubbed Bradley will enjoy. Porsche is offering an office chair. Yeah. There's a new one out. This is the RS model, and I'm dead <laughs> fucking serious. The prior version was $5,590. This new one, because it's an RS version, is $6,570. And if you buy this, you are a dipshit. Well, so this is great because the regular Porsche seats, right, they're like kind of comfortable, supportive, right? RS, it usually makes things more uncomfortable. Right, right. So they're charging you more money to make For it less more comfortable. Right. And Here's, plus you try to turn like 90 degrees and the thing just swivels all the way around. Here's 180. the key thing. Is Porsche seats are good when they're in a car and the front of them is lifted up and the rear is tilted back ever so slightly. When you take a car chair and then throw it, throw it on top of an office chair – 
you are now sitting perfectly flat, so you no longer have any support. You now have a very expensive stool with a back. Yeah. <laughs> what I like is, like, what are the sports seat upgrades? Like, what's that box <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. in right, the right. car? Yeah. And you're taking one of those seats and right. charging six grand uh, You can get um, the color-matched wheels. Uh, your wheels, we can do them in any color. Uh, we uh, can do 918 stripe down the middle. Um, <laughs> Don't forget Porsche the, uh, individual. I would the, like uh, uh, the chair badge delete, please, for the, my chair. The uh, sport chrono package, yes, so you get right. your overboost. <laughs> right, right. It has quicker uh, butt swivel action. Um, Track time. We call it Gunter Schanke Fragment. Everybody could, you know, other automakers could in- get into this. You could have like a Buick office chair where as soon as you swivel it, you just slide off to one side because there's no lateral support. <laughs> <laughs> I want a gyrometer to know how fast I'm getting around the office. Oh, is that this one package? Yes, yes. of course. Um, but the amazing thing is, is for oh, no extra cost, all-wheel steering on all. <laughs> right. Um, now, moving on to something from a German manufacturer that's actually awesome. And in a rare twist on this podcast, it's from something from BMW, and I think it's amazing. Um, really? Yes. <laughs> so BMW, if you're listening, and I know you're not, this is very cool. So BMW is going to offer a two-day driving school with – Amazing instructors and amazing sheet metal. They're calling it BMW Legends at VIR. They're only offering 18 seats, and I guarantee it's got to be sold out. It's uh, just under seven grand, but they want you to have either done one of their driving schools before or done, you know, track time. You should have some track time before you come there. But three of the instructors, alongside the traditional uh, BMW performance driving instructors, are Brian Redman, Boris Said, and Bill Oberlin which in the annals of BMW Motorsports is fucking incredible. Uh, not only that, Brian Redman will be taking people for hot laps in the 1975 12 Hours of Sebring winning 3-liter CSL. Bill Oberlin will be taking people for hot laps in the 2011 E92 M3 GT that basically smoked the IMSA class for that season. I think it was IMSA. Uh, so, I mean, you're getting instruction from some of the greats, in, and Boris said can just drive the wheels off everything. That's that's how you do it. That's how you get back into what you used to be, BMW, right there. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I don't – I mean, you, so you guys have been to some driving stuff because you're journalists. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to a track session where they've trotted out some some big-name drivers? I mean, it's a fucking treat and a half. Well, yeah. If, you know, uh, Porsche has the, uh, the Porsche driving instructors, and I've done a couple of Porsche events. And, uh, yeah, I've gone with some incredible names, uh, promptly uh, forgotten who they were. Patrick but, um, Long. Was what's that? Well, pa- actually, I did a really good lap with Patrick Long. That was like driving on autopilot because he's like, okay, seven-tenths throttle here. We're going to turn in here. Jesus All right, let's Christ. go about five-tenths break. And he's just calm as can be. So he's walking me through this one course. We're in a 911. It was the PDK, the automatic 911s. And, uh, uh, and we both kind of forgot a turn. And I was so focused on him and not on the track. I'm just doing what he says. Right. And we, we blew into – we kind of came into the turn. We kind of realized at the same time that we were just coming way the hell too fast in this turn. And he never, never changed tone. He's like, you know, he's doing his, okay, five-tenths on the throttle. Okay, let's go full throttle. Uh, let's turn in here. Okay, and let's just uh, get off the gas and just go straight through and gentle on the brake. And <laughs> just like, oh, like never change. Turn, yeah, just we go just straight drove, off. Yeah. Don't turn yeah, we it. just drove straight. But he wow. just never changed <laughs> wow, tone. That's amazing. He's like, okay, okay let's just go hard on the brakes and straight ahead. And empty my shorts. <laughs> no, yeah, no, he was. I didn't even miss it. And then I went on a ride. So then I did. Um, I did uh, um, uh, panorama. 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 Porsche. Pa- oh my. No, gosh, not the magazine. The magazine is panorama. I want to write for Porsche Panorama, and I've just blown that that choice. I've just blown that opportunity. Dear Jeff Swart. <laughs> <laughs> the um the uh, uh Panamera, so I went to the event for that. Uh, which Donahue is still alive? Not Mark. No, it's his uh, kid. Uh, Phil. Phil. 
No. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I almost bought that. It's no. I, I. I feel so bad, but I always get it wrong. And they're like, "What? He's dead, Mark?" Or well, Mark's definitely dead. Yeah, Mark is uh, passed away. <laughs> but uh, it's. I think it's his kid. Right? It's, isn't it I should kid? know that. Everybody right now, okay, well, to the n- three listeners we have left, everybody's just no, turned off the podcast. No, they're going to kill me here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look it up because it's, it's, it's This is so bad. Here. Anyway, so he he uh, he was actually an amazing, amazing instructor. I learned a lot and was going very I, – I was going, for me, very fast. I mean, Jeff has raced with me on a, on a, uh, mm-hmm. on a Lemons team. I'm not the most rapid <laughs> See? driver. So then – so we – so and I, I learned a lot. And then they're doing hot laps with, with Hurley Haywood. Now, I may That's have told awesome. the story on on, 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 uh, on I don't recall. Show. I've done hundreds of podcasts, so tell it anyway. Okay. Well, it's just that I came within – because I don't follow racing. So at my first Porsche event, I came within 30 seconds of saying to Hurley Haywood, so do you race professionally? Um, because I, you know, I, don't, I, I don't know. And, and, uh, or at the time, I didn't know. And then somebody says, you know, I'm having a conversation with him. He's like – and I'm already you – know I'm going to be sitting next to Hurley Haywood. And he goes, you know, after Hurley's third Le Mans win, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you said that because I almost got myself <laughs> in really David big David Donahue. Uh, uh, and he was a really – what a really nice guy and a really good instructor. I, I learned a lot about going very, very fast. This and, entire uh, show, I'm just going to have Phil Donahue was a driving instructor in the back of the I used to watch him. I lived in – yeah, he could – you know, yes. hey, why aren't you going faster in that turn? Um, so then they had hot laps with Hurley Haywood. So I go around the track, and I'm going – and it's about as fast as I was going. And I'm going, okay, either I'm a much better driver than I think I am – or Hurley is sandbagging me. And I think that Mr. Haywood may have remembered our conversation at dinner because I think I really annoyed him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the uh, manual versus – they were introducing the PDK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking about mm-hmm. something that we've talked about as, as, as journalists a million times, which is, you know, the twin clutches is the better transmission, but most of us would rather have the manual. Yes. And, and, and that is a really re- – for anybody who's questioning our decision – I love manual gearboxes. That is an amazing, amazing transmission. It's we did it. We did a a, a thing with with Harley with Mike Harley for uh, as opposed to Hurley for uh, uh, AutoWeb.com, at which that article just jumped to number one again. Apparently, but um, uh, manuals versus automatics. And we kind of my opinion on it. We drove back to back Porsches, and my opinion was if I need to get from A to B as fast as possible, I'll take the twin clutch. If I want to enjoy myself and dial it back, I'll take the manual. But anyway, so I'm having this conversation with with uh, with Hurley Haywood, and I haven't driven that many twin clutches at this point and of course I hadn't driven the Porsche one this is the dinner the night before and he goes and he said he said I know maybe three people or maybe two people who can use a manual transmission properly and when I say use it properly I mean make a I mean make a uh, you know a match rev downshift under full braking with zero weight transfer maybe two people I guarantee, Aaron, you are not one of them. <laughs> and then he says, with this transmission, everybody can do it every time. Right. So anyway, I took you way off your no, task, no, but that, that, was that, my, was, that, was, that was my experience. That was perfect. And then, um, oh, I should know the names. Jag with uh, one of the Andretti kids, yes. the younger, the grandkid who's right. younger and, 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 and eats like I do. Right. Uh, and it was just so much. And we were just shooting the breeze. See, and, I, that's actually a perfect segue to one of the greatest – drivers I rode with. So this was also the Jag event, which also had Davy Jones. Davy Jones mm. is fucking amazing in motorsports. He's I think he's the last I think he's still the last American to win Le Mans outright, I think. He did it in the Silk Cut Jaguar, you know, those amazing uh vehicles. So I'm in a Jag waiting to, for a hot lap 
no, he's gonna. No, no, no. I, I am. I'm riding along with him. He's gonna show me. Uh, and Andretti's in front of us. And Andretti likes to drift. And yes. he and he races Indy Lights and he does all this shit. So Andretti leaves in a huff of smoke and this and that. And uh, and Davy Jones just leans over quietly. He's like, "That's why he still races Indy Lights." And I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" <laughs> just threw some shade at Andretti. Um, but it was because then Davy goes and he, he barely looked like he was turning the wheel. And it's fast as hell, but it's super smooth. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, it was incredible. He's amazing and such a good musician. <laughs> um, I was going to say he's my favorite that. Simeon. <laughs> you uh, know, look up Davy Jones, race car driver on Wikipedia, not Davy Jones, musician. daydream believer. No, I, although so I want to see Davy Jones, race car driver, who in the hell out of the monkey mobile? <laughs> now we're talking. He'd make it just go straight. Yeah. We, so the event we did, so uh, you know, it was Jaguar Performance Driving School where Andretti was, and then they did hot laps, and it was a mix of of, uh, of customers and, and journalists, and they went for hot laps, and I went out with with Andretti, and he's, I mean, we just, I don't think he ever had to look through the windshield, you know, it was either driver's window or passenger window. It was good fun, and then another one of the one of the uh, uh, customers was was going for a hot lap, and I hopped in the back seat, and. Uh, and, you know, and this guy had never done driving school before. So we're going around the track sideways, sideways. And the guy's going, oh, this is so cool. You're like totally making oversteer and understeer work for you. And I wanted – I didn't have the heart to tell the guy. We were probably like a minute slower around the track. Right, right. And then so we, we and come he's around. he's just using terms he just learned five he's, minutes. Yeah, he's, yeah. He doesn't mm-hmm. understand. Yeah, oversteer is good, but you don't, want, you don't want that much of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then uh, – so we're going through one of the turns and the, and the engine stalls. And what happens is they've got a – I guess the, the fuel tank is like horseshoe-shaped, split over the like – saddle over tank. The tra- yeah, it's a saddle tank. And the pickup's on one side. Oh, he if you drive it hard enough, yeah, yeah. all the fuel sloshes really over to one side to know, and the car Because those cars are really fun to get sideways. Um, so let's move on past the news stuff and let's talk about you guys a little bit. Uh, Aaron, you've been with About for years now. But, yeah. But did, did you get your start in this industry in the U.K.? Yes, I, you totally threw me there. I thought you were going to say, "Did you get start with about.com? My brain just short circuited. <laughs> Did you see that? I'm still waiting for it to reboot right now. Uh, I uh, interned for a car magazine, Britain called What Car? The sensible people I mean, the under most... two liters. Right. Right. The way you what say car? that, it sounds like such a British thing. Like what expect. Car? Uh, Put a there, chap. The guy from Wheeler Dealers was like your editor. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy. You know, do you, you guys all read Sniff Petrol, right? Yeah. I think Car Code Damp Hands is based on. Uh, I always thought it was based on a guy named John Coates, this guy from up north, John Coates, who did all our used car reviews. And there was a lot of that. Well, you know, we were able to find a G-Reg with just 20,000 miles. So on he's, the, the, he's the British Tom, John Davis? Uh, no, no, more – no. He's kind of got, kind of have his own thing going on. I, lo- I love – John Davis. I used to make so much fun of, of uh, Motor Week. He doesn't listen to this podcast, does he? I don't care if he does. I, I used yeah, to, you can just do whatever. I, I, used to, I, used to, I feel bad. I used, to, I used to kind of make fun of him. You know, this week on Motor Week, you know, the Corolla has a 1.8 liter engine that pumps out 127 horsepower, propelling this tidy four-door sedan to 60 miles an hour in just under 10 seconds. And then I met him, and he is the nicest most interesting, kindest Matt guy. Matt and I used to have an ongoing joke. We're like, what if we did really, really filthy, dirty auto wake up? <laughs> this, this new Lexus can hold 37 dead hookers in the trunk. <laughs> I would like to see that show. She wears a 38D bra and will let you go into holes that you never even heard of. There we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> this um, one here's got what we call lady balls. <laughs> I'm, I'm typing. I, when I, when I, as we run through the episode, I... Make notes of potential titles. So and you just wrote I'm, in lady I'm just, balls. I'm sure. writing lady, in lady balls? balls right yeah. now. <laughs> there um, we go. So, you, you, oh yes, yeah, so I started out there. You were in the UK, came over, and you actually had kind of a pseudo circle back to the UK 
because you were um, you did all the first few seasons of Top Gear US. Right? Yeah, I worked with the US show, so, so you got uh, to work with Richard Porter. Yeah, that's how I met Richard Mr. Porter. Sniff I tr- I, I tried I tried out for the show. I tried out for the show uh, uh, twice, NBC and uh, and History Channel. Both times, I got a yes from BBC and a no from NBC, and then History. And when we brought in all the producers, the yes our, from BBC must feel good. But you not, know, what? and you know the worst part, the Andy Wilman called me. My friggin' idol, and I never—I didn't hear the voice message until like two weeks later. Oh, I snubbed Andy Wilman, who I fucking worship. And every time I see Richard Porter, I'm like, "Tell Andy Wilman I still exist." He's <laughs> like, "Oh, Wilman, you know, he works with him all the time." Right. You know, he's like, you know, it's just a, his coworker. So yeah, but so I remember the executive producer for the first season. He's like, "Everybody, be nice to Aaron because he doesn't know if he's going to be on the on the show or not." And they uh, they weren't deciding; how, they hadn't decided how they were going to cast it, and they cast it. They cast it geographically, and uh, uh, Tanner Faust was already attached to the show. Was the West Coast guy, and they brought on Adam Ferrara, who I think oh, is so fan, got an fantastic. East Coast guy and a Southern, East Coast Southern, mm-hmm. and, and they kind of had all of America represented. Right. And I friggin' love Adam. And then I saw the first rushes where they dumped the uh, manure on the guys in the convertibles. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I am God. so glad I didn't. Get <laughs> but it was fun. It was. It, I tried out with. I, I get try out with Rutledge. I tried out with. Uh, I don't know if I should probably can't mention the other people who tried out for the show, but it was. It was yeah, really I mean, cool. Probably, uh, probably people we know. I'm assuming. And people, some people from outside, uh, outside the uh, the industry. I don't ah. know if I should say. I okay. don't know what my no, that's NDA fine. covers. That's fine. But yeah, but it, but it kind of came full circle. Well, even more so than that. So the guy, uh, I did this Tesla article for a, a British uh, site called uh, Auto Express. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The editor is a guy named Steve Fowler, and Steve was just starting out at What Car. Uh, when I got there. In fact, he started after me. I was an intern. I'd been there a couple months. And he started out as like, you know, the, the entry-level data entry guy. And he went on to become the ma- the editor of the magazine. Oh. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been seeing him ever since. And I keep seeing him at auto shows all the time. Oh, that's funny. A really, really nice guy. Yeah, it's, re- it's really cool to see. Well, and a side note is um, if they listen to the uh, TST podcast when Porter was on, they'll hear this. But uh, you – so this guy, Richard Porter, who's the his title is Scripps Supervisor – but, I mean, he was so much more than that for, yeah. for Top Gear UK. When he would come to town, you would give him some fucked up press cars. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. This is the story we were talking about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get into one it's more story. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, yeah, we yeah. talked about it on, on, on Smoking Tire. There's one other little detail I have to correct. But I used to alternate between getting him something cool and, like, fucking with him right. and getting him something you know like one time I got him you know I'd, I'd get him I don't remember I don't remember what the nice cars were but I got him like a Buick um, well, you, got you know him, you got him the truck uh, I got him the truck the truck was the first one that's the one he told the story uh, almost almost correctly um, on uh, well, I took to me a long time I know to put but that I, in I was going to have Chris grab me a beer if he doesn't mind and I'm oh is that the coast this is an opener this is a bottle opener I was oh I was wondering what the hell that is. I'm playing with the props on the show this so is a yeah gift bottle opener thank you again can I can I can I tell the beginning of that story Chris and then repeat it on uh, on another podcast who cares yeah go for they it they won't care okay Matt, our audience <laughs> have actually... crossover but we're we're two separate okay so just the way it started I won't get I run away. both podcasts do it do whatever you there like. we go okay right. uh, you know and Matt's going you told this to Glucker so this started out I saw I, I don't want to drop shows the one time I went to an international auto show and I saw Richard there and he was coming to town and I said as a joke I said you know I should get you some big you know F Two three fifty Lariat King Ranch, you know XLT Dually, and he goes, I love that. So <laughs> I uh, I booked him. Uh, I did book him the truck, and I don't think it was what he was expecting. And at one point, I, I tweeted something like, you know, laughing about sniff petrol, you know, bumbling around LA in the gigantic truck. And he tweeted back, you won't be laughing when I reverse over your house. You know, <laughs> yeah, could have. That was a big fucking truck. I don't think he realized quite how big it was, and it was. 
it turned out to be larger than any of us imagined. Uh, and then I saw it. I saw the truck. I booked the truck. I laughed myself silly for like a day. And then I saw the truck. I pulled into the parking lot, and it was. Not, I knew it was an extended cab. And I knew it was a four by four. I didn't know it had a long bed. So you just can't park it anywhere and it's black and it's gigantic. And I laugh for another five minutes. And then I go, um, I go up to the office and Rutledge is there. Um, and you've, you've, you've dealt with Rutledge, right? Yeah. And I think he's fairly dealt str- with Rutledge. I've, I've, you I've met him and talked right. to him or know him. I don't know. Maybe Rutledge, like you it. got dealt with. Maybe, 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 you know, he's always been no, nice to me, awesome. but maybe he became a star and he's just like, no, well, little he's people. Very, ah, very awesome. You. He's so down there. I love that guy. I saw him at SEMA. Uh, I saw him at SEMA, uh, and I like shouted to him. Uh, I'm like, hey, I loved you in overhauling. And he, he as Mr. Speaker rose back, he goes, you are great in cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> so Rutledge is, I think, fairly straight laced, and you know, and and you know, usually. Well, I don't know. The last language. time I saw him, he was eating caviar off of poor people. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. It says, so I get up there, and he sees me, and the first thing he says is. Dude, that truck you got from Porter was so fucking funny, and uh, we just like I laughed for another day. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, that's that's is a, that is a good story. I Porter's also driven. He's driven my Suburban. He's <laughs> driven my Polara. Like uh, he's got to have the full American experience. And for people that don't that like haven't ever been to LA, that size that's of a truck, truck here is yeah. it's it's unreasonable. You may as well be in a stretch limo. Yeah. There's no difference in, in terms Definitely. of parking. Well, and to be fair, I mean, poor, he's married to a woman from Burbank, so it's not like he hasn't spent time here, but the, yeah. the cars are so much smaller. When I was working at the magazine there, we had a, a long-term Volvo 850. This is 93, 94. So we had this Volvo 850. And I mean, it was like a boat. Trying to keep this thing on the lanes on the A3 was just really nuts. And then I get back to the States and like a month later, I see my first 850. I'm like, the fucker's tiny. Right. You know, but it felt like yeah. a, when a you Plymouth Fury. Through, when you cruise through a UK village, the roads are like barely wide enough for two motorcycles. It's yeah. like they were built for ox carts or something. I may or may not have curbed the wheels in an Aston Martin once. Um, <laughs> I curbed oops, the wheels. Sorry. I curbed the So my first drive. Do you want to hear the story of my first day on the job? Sure. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to or not. <laughs> and the, but, you know, hopefully the listeners are, are captive. So we used to do this thing called the uh, the customer clinic, where we'd have readers drive the cars. Everything was a group test, That's and we'd have readers drive the nightmare. cars. The Sorry, clinic. listeners, but <laughs> but it would be a nightmare. It weren't out better than you thought. We'd all gather at a pub. Well, let me let me cars. back up I, to, to to the listeners. It would be fun, but. We're dealing with cars that we don't own. So that part's the scary part. Yes, and the cars no you don't own. I have no idea how you can drive. I didn't mean well, to insult people listening. I just know most of you probably Here's the other like thing shit. is that I think with a large <laughs> segment of our audience, they'd be like, hey, look what I can do. Right. And we'd be going, no, oh, no. I mean, oh, no. no. Yeah, I but think, see, that's the Hooniverse audience. I this think is in the, person, they'd yeah. be very polite. And plus, this is the what car audience. So, you know, it's not They're like – it's, not, it's yeah. a whole other thing. Well, it's also – we're not putting them in Aston Martins. We're putting them in like, a, you know, a Nissan Micro 1.3 LX. Right, right. So oh, it's not – Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. It's got the – you know, yes. It's, it's got air con. I could really go nuts at this. Um, so we did this one on the first day. It was, it was two-liter – you know, I think it was uh, entry-level executive cars oh, cracking and the car they a new car would come out and they'd form a group test because for before top gear magazine this is just before top gear magazine came out what car was the number one car magazine so we were mm-hmm. the big swinging you know spazoo we could get whatever we wanted so the new car was the mercedes c-class uh and we had a c180 automatic okay heavy screamer Mm-hmm. 1.8 liter, yeah. So it was the first day, uh, first my first day on the job. Now I'd spent, I'm a college intern. I've never driven in Britain. We had like a bus, three day bus tour. I spent it all in the front going, okay, okay, if I start on this side of the road, I end up at this side of the road. Like I had it all down pat. 
And then we, the first day we go to the clinic, well, a bunch of the readers, a bunch of the readers that we brought in, they just took the train home. So I had to drive a car. So I took the Mercedes because it was the only automatic. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, figuring that would make my life somewhat easier. Yeah, Got yeah. down the narrow lane, smacked mirrors, <laughs> scraped the hubcaps, mind you, because oh, it had wheel covers. Wow, and, and the C-Class doesn't go on sale for two weeks at this point or two months. It's ahead of the sale time. We've got it really early. So the rule at what car when you're driving is you, when you're going to make a turn, you wait for the person behind you. Well, none of our readers – knew this. I mean, the readers who were there. So I'm behind a Saab 900 with a two-liter engine and a manual transmission. And he's, takes off down the street. And I floor it in the C-180. And it goes, and now understand, I had a Dodge Omni, 2.2-liter carbureted Dodge Omni. That's what I left. to, And and I thought this thing was so slow. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm lost. I'm 6,000 miles from home. I'm in a car that doesn't go on sale. I'm dead. And I put a big gouge in the hubcap, and nobody ever said – the car went back the next day. Nobody ever said anything. Oh, you that were the weird. motor trend of uh... – Yeah, pretty much. I was the one member in a C180. And then the next day, we had to go so – I just figured I'd get a week without driving. And the next day, we went somewhere, and I took a – like in the middle of nowhere, and I took a Peugeot 306 – which is small, and like from that day on, I was good. Nice. After that, I was unstoppable. <laughs> now, um, Miles, you worked, or do you still work, do stuff for Fastlane Daily? No. Okay. No, no. But was that your first gig in the industry? Uh, basically, yeah. So I, I kind of started blogging uh, about eight years or so ago, and um, actually, I reached out. Interesting, they were in TST Studio. I reached out to Matt Farah because, mm-hmm. like, I was you know watching Garage Four Eighteen, a couple of things. What were you like, grousing about, Amble? <laughs> he knows Amel. I know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I won't go into that one. No, therefore grouse. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, I reached out to Matt Fair and I was like, "Hey, man, I, I kind of think I want to do automotive journalism. What do I do?" He's like, "Just start writing. Start yeah. writing now." Um, and so I, you know, made a blog and I started writing, and um, and eventually uh, I went to I went to Boston University and I was there, and one of my professors hooked me up with this. Girl. Stop with the you get yeah the tapping on the table. Oh, oh. it comes over loud and clear. Just oh man, no, I was just composing something. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start knocking the bottom of the table. Everybody's gonna blame you. <laughs> um, and so professor. He, the professor hooked me up with this girl who worked for Porsche, and her boyfriend was JF Musial. Oh, and JF was the executive producer of Fastlane Daily at the time, and so she's like. You to should JF to should him? give him an interview, right? Or an interview and eventually internship. Mm-hmm. And so I interned in Fast at Fastlane Daily in New York for four months, and then uh, and then they had me start writing the script, right? And uh, so I was doing that for four and a half years, and then that. Oh my God! You put up with that for four and a half oh, yeah. years? Oh yeah! <laughs> Got paid for like two of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, still waiting on the rest of that. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, so that was kind I of the had clients that pay slower. Mm. Um, now you come from back east, like Aaron and this entire room. Um, you gave up a Jeep to come out here, right? You had a Jeep back there, yeah. But you brought a ratty ass raced out Miata. Yeah, it still doesn't make any sense to me. No, that, I mean no, that Miata. I think that was a fair trade. That, I drove that Miata, which is no longer here. You drove it on the last day that I had the I know. Miata. That, like, you have to specify because then you drove it like it was going to be the last day that did. I had He's the like, Miata. Yeah, go have fun and and. Jason Connor and I went and, and just started doing like donuts and drinks. I've never together. seen someone go sideways immediately like that, especially in a car with probably at the time 90 horsepower <laughs> to the rear wheels. Didn't you have some. What did you do to that car? 
Uh, mostly suspension. And I think the bigger question is, what did you do to that right. car? I just, I just took it, it was to a bitch and I crashed. Sorry, it. next owner, right. Miata, by the way. Well, I mean, it was it was rattle can black. He knew what he was getting. Oh, it yeah. had a race seat, right? It had yeah, a race seat. Yeah, yeah. race seat. I stripped out pretty much everything I could. Took out emissions equipment. Right. He um, knew what he was buying. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now you also have a motorcycle. What kind of bike do you have? Yeah, I've got a Kawasaki ER6N, so like a naked Street Fighter style, and it was mm-hmm. naked when I got it, and then I took more stuff off it so now it's it's as bare as it gets awesome yeah um here's a question what do you both hate about working in this industry just say one thing you hate about it say whatever you want (laughs) entitlements entitlements not a bad answer i hate the i hate the oh my own feeling of entitlement i hate turning (laughs) into no it does something to your ego i hate i hate turning into that guy i never swore i'd be well when you live live the life of a millionaire i was just gonna say we're fake millionaires yeah yeah um it can take you for sure i in the parking lot i was telling them about my first class trip overseas on an a380 (laughs) for the record i I get none of these perks no you don't (laughs) Uh, now what what on the flip side though what do you love Oh, what's not that? What is there not to love? I mean, I drive fucking First cars and talk about it and write about right. it. Travel. I mean, all that's over just the world. yeah. You travel. Know, eat amazing food. I eat travel all over the people. country. I don't quite get world all that much. Right, right. right yeah. <laughs> it's the you know what? It's the car part. I mean, I went to that. I went to that internship because I love cars and I know not to. I know you shouldn't make your hobby your profession because right. it's a way to make you you can hate your hobby. And I went all right. I'm going to immerse myself in cars for however many months. And if I, I'll know if I love it or hate it. And I came away, I mean, I, you know, nothing but cars for six solid months. Came away loving it more than ever. Hmm. And it's everything. It's just I get. I, I, I took a job for a while where I, where I did some some uh, project work for uh, that involved one automaker. And uh, I just I can't be. I can be monogamous with like my wife. <laughs> I cannot be monogamous with cars. Yeah. I get bored. Well, I had that same apprehension. Like I didn't want to hate the industry. And so I did, a, I was doing marketing in Boston before I was doing automotive journalism. I was like, well, this is paying the bills and, and more so. But at the end of the day, I would find myself looking at car sites for half the work day. <laughs> and I was like, okay, th- this is not going to be sustainable. And so I had to give it a shot. So a lot of the, the, the classic old guard journalists have either moved on or done their thing. Are there any journalists currently working and could be their writing ability it could be video because video's taken off is there any journalists out there that you still look up to and enjoy and, and... oh yeah lots of them i mean dan neal is top of the list for me i love the way he writes sure. um you know i i love i mean i could watch top gear until you know excuse me until the cows come home i sure. just watch it for for whatever you know whatever they whatever they do and yeah there's a lot of guys are there you there sure enough. you know the same damn neal that i do <laughs> <laughs> i looked um, yeah, so like I hung out with uh, at Formula E, Sam Smith. I still love his writing. Uh, Zach Bowman, what he's doing oh, with his um, Zach's yeah. awesome. Zach's the best. Um, so yeah, they're still out there. Uh, on the video side, there's there's people too. Um, uh, I like I, you know I, I really like what uh, Lieberman and Camisa are doing at Motor Trend right now. I think their dynamic is pretty fucking spectacular. Micah Muzio. Micah's awesome. His great. videos are super yeah. clean. And he's the nicest, sweetest guy. And, oh, and yeah. his, his video partner, Michael Delano, they just do GFMD. awesome work. Good friend Mike Delano. They've been doing stuff forever. Right. You know, and then, you know you get, then you get certain people that are good presenters. It's just a question of whether or not they'll stick around for the entire thing. You know? It's... Explain. Ah, uh, there's a certain simian named presenter that's it's a very good presenter and is a funny guy to listen to, but... 
doesn't necessarily follow through. Hey, man, mm. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know who's an old guard guy who turned out to be really, really cool? Is Barry Winfield. Yeah. Do you remember him? He was West Coast editor of Car and Driver magazine. I used to read him. And he's partially how I got back into it because I came back to, the, to, the, to this country and, and wound up getting a, you know, got rejected by all three of the magazines. So I got a, a real job. And I, I was kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to get back into it. And I mentioned it to a coworker who was a neighbor of Barry's. And she called him, and like three days later, I get a call from Barry Winfield in my office, and he says back verbatim like everything that I told our mutual friend, and you know, gave me some advice to get started. And then I, I thought I'd come full circle when I ran into him at an MPG event, and then I thought I'd come full circle when I rode with him on an event. But I realized I really came full circle when he asked to ride with me, and I turned him down. Wow! Oh <laughs> only because I was I was only because I was like I was already I'd agreed to to drive with somebody else. But he's a super nice guy, and also like I'm you know politically I'm 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 kind of you know over on the left, and a lot of the old curmudgeons are like ah Trump ah Obama blah 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 blah. We agree politically. Like every day with Barry is like is like is like a happy day. So nice. He's such a nice guy. Nice. Really nice guy. Uh, I'm going to move on to um, some of our social media questions. I, I put it out there, you know, that we're podcasting the medias, and uh, and we take questions on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, before we go to those questions, though, tell everybody listening where they can find you on, you know, Instagram or wherever you want to share shit online. Oh yeah, please, please, because I'm trying to build a social media presence, which I should have done like you know five years ago. The Auto Nerd on uh, on Twitter. I'm also on there as Auto Nerd, but The Auto Nerd has more followers. The Auto Nerd on Twitter, Aaron the Auto Nerd on Instagram, and then uh, Facebook.com/slash/slash/AutoNerd. Uh, and if you follow me on Twitter, I promise. Promise, promise, I will not make you regret it. I'm going to repeat this on that other podcast. I won't post like you know pictures of like Trump or kittens or anything. I thought like you were going to say you promised to follow back. So I'm like, I don't fucking promise. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm. It's stick to car stuff. Try to keep it moderately interesting. Oh, see, and, I don't do that shit either. Yeah. Come for the beer photos. Um, uh, uh, yeah, my stuff's pretty easy to remember because it's my name, Miles Per Hour, but uh, just P E R H R. And, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, and then MilesPerHour711 on YouTube. Perfecto. Um, okay, so let's go with the Facebook questions. We just have a few this week. Uh, Josh Ostrander asks, how do you feel about Lewis Hamilton Snapchatting from the F1 pits after specifically being told not to? I feel like, it, I feel like it's awesome because it's the yep, dumbest fucking rule, rule ever. Yeah. The yeah. FIA needs to get its head out of its ass. One of its biggest stars is attracting... All these people, let him show what it's like on the – and I love that he did. We what hate all this free promotion Bernie, to all these young people. I cannot <laughs> wait till Bernie is gone. You're such an awful human being person. It's just it, – Eccleston, to be clear. Yeah. Not, yeah. No, I, I actually really like Bernie. <laughs> yeah. Not to get political. But um, the uh, – yeah, I think it was great, and I hope he does more of it. Um, and if they find him, so what? He's wow. fucking gazillionaire. That is the yin and yang of Bernie's. Yeah, Ecclestone oh and Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. Right, Sanders. right. Um, and Josh has a second question. Any predictions for Formula Drift this weekend? Uh, I don't know if you guys are following it, but uh, I think I'm hoping to see Forsberg and Osbo battle it out. I think they're going to take momentum from the prior season and just keep going at it because Forsberg's sick. Hopefully Ryan Turk does uh, more good work this season because he started off getting some podiums and then he kind of fell off. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys follow. follow. That's all you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick Taylor asks, is it true that some of the larger magazines give more favorable reviews to cars made by companies who pay more for ads in that magazine? Um, I don't – I honestly don't think so. All the journalists I know are fairly 
they're, they're separate. They have nothing to do with the yeah. ads. Now, I don't know about magazine-based awards. I can't comment on that. That, that could so, be a different ballgame. There are, there are – you know, and I just had a, a friend of mine leave from a magazine that's not what you would consider an enthusiast magazine but is a review outlet. Right. That is trying to heavily influence their writers internally now. Yes. It's um, probably not somebody that any of our listeners would put much credence in or really pay attention to, but the general public may. Oh, not may. Does. Yeah. Yes, does. Um, so the enthusiast stuff, that, you know? Yeah. in my experience, I mean, we know a lot of people. Like, basically, everybody at any of the major enthusiast magazines, we know at least one or two people there. I can't say I've ever ever heard of a major conflict of interest at any of right. the major things. Right. And for all the people that go, oh, you're paid off for this, you're paid off for that. Automotive journalists are too poor. You would you would look at them for two seconds. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you're not getting paid off for anything. <laughs> well, they do they do treat us. I mean, they treat us pretty nicely. They treat and us there's nicely. That, there's, that, yeah. uh, there's that argument. They, they, I will, you will get dinner every now and then, or you will get a hotel out of it. But you're not going to get you – know, they're not going to slip you five grand in an envelope. No. Although actually one time, <laughs> there was a two-day Volvo trip where they gave us keys to the car. We had two days to get someplace, and they gave us an envelope full of cash. And it was hotels, to cover right? our expenses. Yeah. yeah, they're like, here's your cash, key, cash and keys. That was – thank goodness I like the car. Here's something I learned. Um, here's something I learned. So I edited a, a magazine called Diesel World for uh, for a few months, and now I do uh, – uh, and now I write for them. And – I was surprised. Uh, one thing magazine editing taught me is editing can play a big part. I mean, not all writers. I wrote. I had some some writers that you might know writing for me, and was a little surprised at the raw copy much, oh, that I got, sure. uh, that I saw, and other stuff that I saw for other publications. So I know that editing has a lot to do with things. A lot of stories, uh, uh, you know, some writers rely more heavily on their editors than right. others. So that's something to keep in mind, too, is I think all the journalists I know have good positive intentions, and, and I, I, can't see, I can't see an automaker actually uh, paying off a journalist or even trying that. I mean, one could argue that we get really nice trips and all that. I know there are writers who think they need to write favorable reviews to stay on the gravy train. Um, I've written more than my share of negative reviews. I've only had one automaker who, you know, took enough offense to that to kind of let me slip off their invitation list. Um, so, and you know, were they possibly the Italian? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, I won't say I won't I won't say I won't say who they are. And I saw their point. You know, it's like, and they have a good point. I mean, I'm just pretty pretty down on this particular mark. And you know, had a very upfront and you know conversation with their PR guys. And they said, you know, we only have so many spots. And if we know we're going to get, if we think we have a high probability of getting, you know, negative coverage, you know, what would you do? I mean, I don't agree with that philosophy, especially if your products are improving. I would invite all comers to see how good they're getting. But I also understand, especially when you're answering to people in perhaps right. in another country, uh, a group that doesn't, you know, for whom failure is not an option, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can... Uh, I can kind of I can kind of see that, but I think the journalists are honest and 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 well intended. And you know, our job is tough because cars keep getting better and better. Everybody says that no bad cars, yeah. but the fact is, if you've been in this job ten years, fifteen years, cars were shittier when you started than they are now. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's you gotta. You know, I'm looking at this. I, I came here in a Mercedes GLC. Uh, uh, and I'm I'm down on the Mercedes dial controller, but I'm thinking, well, maybe I need to be even more down on the dial controller because everybody has moved past it. Maybe something that was acceptable to me in 2007 now shouldn't be acceptable. Well, go drive a Lexus for a week, and you'll look favorably upon that Mercedes. The mouse? The mouse. Yeah. Is I, I don't, yeah. yeah I, I don't got like used it. to the mouse, but I... 
I go back and forth about the mouse. I don't like it. Um, uh, Nick, or not? That was the last question. Mark. Oh wait, can I can I just say one yeah. more thing though? But I was going to say no uh, uh, no automaker has ever slipped me large amount of cash, uh, including Chevrolet, who makes some of the finest and safest <laughs> uh, new vehicles, quality built in the United States of America, that you can buy. www.chevrolet.com. One of which you crashed. I may have crashed one. Of <laughs> uh, it was a bitch, and I crashed it. Uh, Mark Furman. I swear to God, he, and I love, I love that we have a listener named Mark Furman, especially because I'm watching the OJ miniseries, which is fantastic on FX. If someone wants to advertise FX, speaking of spots, uh, he asks a great question, I think, Aaron, for you. Uh, it's a general question, but I think you'll know best. What car would you rather own, a Renault Alliance GTA, a Peugeot 405 MI16, or a Citroen Visa GTI? I oh, a Citroen Visa GTI and a heartbeat. A Citroen. Well, start. No, I know the up. Renault Alliance. I'm looking at. I'm looking at you, and I'm like, nope, I don't know any of those cars either. Nope. What's yeah. that? Nope. A Citroen because Citroens are just okay. For, I had. Oh, so you just want? Yeah. Okay. No, I had. Well, I don't think a Visa goes up and down. I don't think a Visa is fluid sprung. I was up to my ass in French cars when I worked in Britain and loving it because the French are like, you know, if it was not invented in France, it was not invented. So you get stuff that's either wonderful, uh, like the trains. Well, that's how their dictionary you know. works. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, well, that's another. Well, the French can, French yeah. Canadians are another story. But I would totally take the Visa, the Citroen Visa GTI, because it's just such a funky ass looking car I mean it doesn't matter it's not like you're going to drive them because they're all French and they're all going to be broken right um, but I did drive a 405 uh, I not a I don't know that I drove an MI16 I don't think I but I drove a bunch of uh, a couple of 405s mostly mostly like XR TD turbo diesels nice. uh, I drove a 205 GTI I drove a 306 GTI 205 GTI um, you know they were talking 205 was was cool I drove that back from a photo shoot it's like a more interesting GTI right yeah, like the 306. Teams, yeah. yeah, the 306 is like we had actually a long-term 306, and it was uh, that was our one of our comparisons. We had a 306 diesel. It's their little hatchback, and we also had a. a at, in England, you could buy a GTI eight valve or sixteen valve. Right. Over here, the eight valve GTI engine was just the GL, and our point was like the diesel. The diesel Citroen or the diesel Peugeot was faster to 60 miles an hour, handled better, drove better, Jesus. got twice the fuel economy, and cost one like one eighth as much to insure. That's insane. <laughs> Um, that'd be fun. Uh, okay, so we're moving to Twitter questions. Uh, at Car Guy Shirts asks, what is your favorite candy and brand of lotion? I have no idea why that question is like that. Uh, M&M's and I don't use lotion. Um, I have no idea where that question comes from. Uh, at I like to drink Luberdorm and then rub my skin <laughs> down with three musketeers. <laughs> I like to jam fingers in places. Sorry, regular car guys refuse for uh, flashback. Um, all right, uh, at long dx commuter asks, what universally poorly reviewed car do you secretly like? It's not a secret. I actually oh. like the Mitsubishi Mirage. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I think it makes. Fun. I'm with you. I think I know you. You're are. just baiting me now. No, no, no. It's it's like me, you, and Jason Torchinsky. That's it. We're no, the only I don't. Three. I don't like the Mirage. I it, I don't dislike it. We did, by the way. The hate drove, for it is misplaced. Yes, it does. People don't understand what the it does. The noise is fun. With the, you have to get the manual version. Yeah. The noise is fun because it's a three cylinder. Three cylinders sound awesome. It has better options than I thought it would. You know, it still had like Bluetooth audio and shit. It, it and it was like what nine grand? Fuck it, that's fine. <laughs> and forty miles, forty one miles per gallon. We drove it. We drove them for six months. My wife and I. You have to floor it to get on the freeway yeah, without dying. And we still got forty one miles per gallon. I think. So uh, I wrote an article on this. The cars I like that every other journalist hates. And number one on my list is the Fiat Five Hundred L. 
Oh, I haven't driven the L, but I don't like the uh, the standard gas. Fiat I hate every no. Fiat other than the electric. I like the electric too. Yeah, I, I like the electric. I'm not a big fan of the 500, but the L it had the big glass roof. Somebody's like, it's like driving in a fishbowl. What's wrong with that? It works for the freaking fish, you know. It's fine for anybody under five ten. Which I am well <laughs> right. under 5'10". Which you're fine, but like yeah. that is a significant portion of the population that cannot drive that car. Uh, I love, it. and you know what? I, I went online and I found the only reason people seem to hate it—the people who actually own them—either they love it or it's broken. Yeah, and they don't yeah. like it because it broke. <laughs> but like, funny. what did you expect? What uh, do you have a poorly reviewed car that you like? I'm just trying to think what what is honestly poorly reviewed in mass beyond the Mirage at this point. Not much. I mean, huh. no. Uh, As to your point, like the cars are just getting. There are there are. Like, there's nothing we... that's overly poorly reviewed. There are pieces of cars that are are negative. Like everybody fucking hates the visibility out of the Camaro. It's terrible. Even the yes. new one and the new Camaro is fantastic, but the visibility see out still it. sucks. When we got the invitation, you know that was a they did that you know Camaro through fifty states, yeah. and they said bring a spouse. Or bring a bring a companion. So I said to Robin, I said, "Do you want to go? Do you want to go uh, go sightseeing in the south in a car you can't see out of?" Right, yeah. So that's what we did. Nice. Uh, I the south brought... is beautiful. Like when it's you're viewing it through a two inch lens. That was a what visual was your job. Leg? Uh, we went. Uh, I don't remember. We wound up in Florida. Where the hell did we start out? Oh, uh, so then I probably we took went through over Savannah, Georgia. You, yeah, because I did Orlando to New Orleans. Yeah, we want we wanted that route. We couldn't get we couldn't. Get I wanted the Montana one, and I couldn't get it. Um, all right. Um, so at Max Dalman with two L's ask. Uh, just asked the smoking tire earlier, but no news. Y'all heard of anyone using the Tremec DCT aftermarket? I have been on. I have been digging through that transmission for a while because it, I found what? that several months so ago. So Tremec came out with a dual clutch. So Tremec has a dual clutch that looks, by all accounts, it was actually designed for the C7. Um, huh. it was the, the packaging for the initial version that was put together looks like it was exactly built to be the rear mounted transmission in a, in a probably really? Z06. Uh, so can you get a non transaxle version or I believe so. Most of the stuff that like all the, all the Tremec stuff, um, it's pretty much the same when you, you can talk just about flip it the, around or okay. It, the internal, the guts are the same. The casing is different. That's really what it right, comes right, down right, to. Right, right, right. Um, and it, it looks like they commissioned it just as an option, and GM went, fuck it, we'll build our own automatic. Um, it looks like a fantastic transmission. I'd love to have one to play with, but... Yeah, that's interesting. I heard Mitsubishi's using it for the next Mirage. Oh, yeah. Ah. Oh, so they're coming back to the U.S. market. <laughs> um, that's it. I hadn't heard anything about that, but now I'm very curious. It's probably also very expensive. It's got to be. Um, all right. Uh, Car Guy Shirts asks another question. Which will arrive on the streets first, the Tesla Model 3 or the Alpha Giulio Quadrifolio? I thought it was going to be like I thought it was going to be like the Tesla Model 3 or Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There's your answer. The Alpha will be here first. Alpha. Maybe. Um, uh, what car, were the cars again? You know, the cars. The, the Alpha sedan. Yeah. And the Tesla Model 3. You know the Model Three that we saw. They said the they said production. Well, we saw that interior, and I'm like, what? first thing I thought is, well, somebody left their laptop on the dashboard. But right. um, no, that's what it looks like. And they said that's production intent. Now, the one thing I didn't see, I didn't see 
there's, I think Volvo told me, I think there is like five or seven buttons that are required in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, hazard, rear defogger, a few things like that. Yeah. Like whatever Volvo has in the XC90, those are the minimums. And I didn't see those, and I didn't get to go back out to the cars, but I asked, and I was told they're concealed in the roof. So well, that would indicate like, they're ready to go. Like there's stupid rules around like even if you've got beams that will automatically detect high and low – in the U.S., you still have to have a high beam and a low beam button because it was yeah. written into the statutes 70 years ago. That's why we you can't know. get cool Volkswagen taillights either. Yeah. The we cool can't. ones the, with the ring the of red. B- that BMW laser lights and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That um, kind of stuff. So uh, this is a good question. Another one. It's like Car Guy Shirts asked all the questions, but that's fine. Uh, I appreciate it. What car of yesteryear had the coolest pop-up headlamps? Opal. The uh, the um, GT? Yeah, the Opal GT. That's a good Does one. Does behind doors count? Yeah, if they're headlamps. Uh, I would say the Charger. Oh, you know, it looks yeah, so yeah. really cool. I, okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, but you know what also? I, I, the one other story is, so remember in the 70s? Remember, my stepfather's a used car dealer, so I saw all these cars. The Thunderbirds had the concealed headlights with the really ornate door. And then it was uh, the Thunderbird. Oh, and I think the, I just thought of the answer. Then it's the Buick Riviera. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, the Riviera has the best one, right? You just yeah. As soon as you, I was like, ah, uh, ornate door. Yeah, specifically the very first run of the Rivieras. Yeah, yeah. Those were cool. So there's the well, answer. What I, fa- <laughs> well, what I found annoying is like the doors flip up, and there's only two headlights. Like they didn't put the money into four headlights. Oh right, mm-hmm. they cheaped out. Right. Uh, uh, Car guy shirts ask again. Twenty seven thousand dollar battle. Very specific. Like why not thirty? But loaded twenty sixteen Honda Civic or base Chevy Camaro two liter turbo. That's a really good question. That's a great question. I don't think people are cross shopping them. However, because the new Camaro is so good, and I want rear wheel drive, I'm gonna get the Camaro. And Even though you, the Civic is fantastic. The Ecotec motor predates basically everybody else doing crazy turbo fours with the exception of like Mitsubishi. Um, that motor can make 400 horsepower. No problem. Right. So yeah, I, I, I'd personally go with the Camaro. Oh, what a hard decision. Yeah, I so love the Camaro. I just drove the two liter. I haven't driven it yet. I've it's heard good things. It's all, it's as good as you've heard. It smokes the Mustang, right? Uh, well, I don't know. Cause I haven't driven it back to back. They didn't have a four cylinder amount lighter. Out there. Oh. Oh, they had the V6. They had a six-cylinder Mustang. I heard about there. that event. Right, 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 right. But, uh, gosh, that's a tough one. I mean, my lifestyle, no family. That yeah, kind you're of stuff. Camaro, I mean, right? I'm Camaro. Yeah, I'm I have sure. a family, I'm still going car. Camaro. My wife, Robin my would, wife will have another car. I'd say Robin would walk out on me if I bought a Camaro. She'd think um, I just got silly and like every other man. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so those are all the questions. Um, moving on to just random car shit. Uh, I fixed something in my truck <laughs> over the weekend. Oh, I saw those pictures. Uh, the rag joint went on it, so I, I installed the what? The rag joint, the the steering coupler. Oh, okay. So you it, put like a rag in there. No, um, it's uh, it went while I was driving it, but there's these two, um, I don't know what you call them, but they hang in there so that if something fails, you still have like a little bit of steering left, right? Which was good, but I bolted it in. I I bolt it. It really though, people who work on old cars are like, it's a real easy thing to fix and it is but mm-hmm. i felt cool because it, it's daunting because you're fucking with the steering yeah right that's like, how the brake industry gets you yeah seriously <laughs> and the brake and P- the brakes are it's so oh, fucking yeah. easy i know but now that's what everybody says but that's why i didn't do the brakes brakes are truck. so brakes easy are really which easy. next time going forward i will I'll start and you put discs on that. your truck right and i had someone else do it 
because it involved bending, um, bending okay. brake lines. Installation and, is one yeah. thing when but you're talking about hard lines. And, right. But doing maintenance is so yeah. even right. drum Simple. brakes. Once you, you know, so I, oh, I my first old car had uh, uh, had uh, front drum brakes, and I didn't have any money, so I had to buy the nine dollar <laughs> organic pads. And none of them fit the car right. So I literally I literally installed every single set of uh, house brand uh, brake, dr- uh, or brake shoes that, that Forest City Auto Parts had wow. before I finally went, you know, paid like $23 for the Bendix ones. But, man, I could do, I could do drum brakes. I could put the dr- brakes on the car in literally about three minutes. Yeah. And the best part is, you know, there's a spring and a, and a, and a device that works like a pry bar called a brake spoon. You, there's a little post that the spring goes on. You hook the little brake spoon onto the – brake spoon's not the right word. You hook the little pry bar onto the, uh, onto the post. You put the spring at the top. You pull the, the, the pry bar back so the spring slides down, and it makes this really satisfying sprung. <laughs> but the cool part about it is like when you can put the brakes on really fast, that's the last piece you do. So the whole – the sound of the brake job is like sprung. <laughs> it's the most satisfying thing. It's the thing cash register ever. sound. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's the now sound I of twenty my rear drums. <laughs> oh, the drums are the drums are fantastic. I will invite you over to show me how to do rear drums on my truck. When I went to do drums on the Polara, uh, I have a '69 Dodge Polara that just kind of sits around. So I bought all the parts. I have a factory manual. So I removed the drum. I laid out my parts in order. I looked at the image of the book. So brake parts book. Three completely separate things. Jesus so Christ. I kind of had to improvise. So the, everything works, but the self adjusters. I think the car may have been like a rental car without self adjusters. So when I used to drive the car regularly, I'd keep a, an actual tool. The tool is called a brake spoon, and I keep an old shirt and a brake spoon. So if I got somewhere and I was ten minutes early, I'd throw on my old shirt, I'd slide underneath the car, and real quick I'd adjust up the brakes, and then I'd go into my appointment or whatever. The That's one thing, because if you've never done brakes, Jeff, the one thing you have to remember when you do brakes, gloves every time. Oh, because yeah. the brake fluid? Brake dust you will not get out of your hand mm-hmm. for weeks, and your wife will hate you. Mm. And don't, and always leave one side together. So you can look at something when you screw it up. Right. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. And have a second car for when your tools break. That's why I have... Come to think of it, two sixty nine ninety five is yeah. No, I I don't rely on the press cars, but I, I didn't want to make it seem like that. But but uh, you do. N- uh, no, because we have my wife's car too. Um, so we're fine. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the truck. I did a thing, and it felt good. And, uh, it's a real sense of accomplishment when you fix something in a car. Yeah. And they're not that – I used to really, really like fret working on my cars. Like I'd get something wrong. I used to really stress out about it. And then I met Robin, who I'm now married to, and she's like, she's like you know, I always figured if I – she did the thermostat on, on the CRX. And, uh, and I'm like, you did the thermostat? She said, yeah. She said, we figured if we, if we took it apart, paid attention, and put it back together the same way, we couldn't do that much harm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I realized she was right. And working on cars has been so much lower sp- stress. Here's the thing: cars, for the most part, go together with human hands. They can come apart and go back together with human hands. Yeah, exactly. It's- and all and all the old cars, you know, all the old cars we're driving. I mean, they were built in the bad old days of Detroit when everybody went on strike every five minutes, right. you know, and was probably going to be drunk and or stoned. Right. So they're kind of geared towards, yeah. towards you know, towards straight from, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like everyone's terrified of, you know, the adage of like putting everything back together and then having two like spare parts <laughs> yeah. in your hands. Like that's just, if, well, you're, if you're paying attention, that's not going to happen. Right? And, and the other one that gets me is people that go, oh, you can't work on new cars. Actually, it's way easier to work on new cars than it is on old cars because it's basic, it's basic electrical connections. And when things aren't hooked up right, you hook a $50 code scanner up and it goes, 
you didn't do this right, retard. <laughs> yeah, I still stay away from electrical. It's just not. I, <laughs> I just I don't know if I'm right yet because I haven't fixed it for the first time. I troubleshot the fuel pump. I have an old CRX. I figured out the fuel pump is bad using a uh, you know using a volt voltmeter. You had a multimeter. Yeah. Okay. Now I also figured out it was bad because I inadvertently uh, with the fuel pressure relief on. Uh, put power to the car, not realizing I left the ignition on, and the gasoline did not spurt all over the place, including the battery, and set me on fire. So that was a pretty good indicator as well. But, you know, usually in the Polara, it's like if it won't start, you know, you, you just s- go through the four main things. No, you smell the carburetor. If oh. there's no gas, then it's ignition. If there's, you know, if there's spark, you, I actually never have to pull the plugs out because invariably it takes so long. I never start, I never drive the car. So I then remember I've let the gas tank go dry. Uh, so that's invariably what it is. But. Oh, there's an easy way on an injected car. Fit cranks, you know, you're good on the battery and the starter. And then if after that you put a, you get a little spark plug tester, if that works, then you know you're good on the plugs. After that, it's the fuel. only thing is the fuel pump. It's pump. I couldn't get that to work because I have those long spark tubes on the CRX. Yeah. And I couldn't find a, a thingy, the uh, spark tester that would fit them. Ah. Huh. Huh. That, that was a show ender right there. That, you know, I mean, actually, wah, yeah, wah, that wah, was. Wah, wah. Um, I mean, you guys already gave your social media shout outs. Chris, why don't you pimp Shout Engine? As usual, if uh, you got an idea for a podcast like uh, Aaron here, um, just go over to Shout Engine and we'll set you up. It's uh, very easy to get up and going. You can be up and running in under five minutes and uh, get your own dumb messages out to the world like we do. Right. Uh, and then the other thing I'd like you to try out is my company, Guardian Circle. Um, give it a spin. It's on the App Store right now on iOS, and it's going to be on Android later this week. It's on this week. meatspin.com. It's on <laughs> meatspin.world. Uh, and uh, it's basically a way to help to leverage all your personal contacts to help you out in an emergency situation. It's free. Give it a shot. Tell me what you think of it, and uh, go from there. And then speaking of Shout Engine, don't forget to listen to Camden Tubbed on Fridays and our False Neutral Motorcycle Podcast on Tuesdays. All on Shout Engine, all on Hooniverse, all on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review them. And then pay close attention because Mr. Aaron Gold here is coming out with a podcast very soon, which sounds like a really cool idea. So we'll have him back on um, after he launches that so we can talk more so about it. Talk more about it. Yeah, yeah, when there's actually something to promote. Right. And at um, the Auto Nerd. You didn't ask me what you said you were going to ask me. Which I'm kind of glad you didn't. Oh, okay. Because it saved me from denying it. Because I forgot. I totally forgot. <laughs> That's okay. We'll leave it till it's next been, Oh, so the reason it's been a very long day is because we were shooting an electric Ferrari in the sun. A Ferrari 308 powered by electric. So actually, you know what? That's a good teaser. We'll, we'll have Jason on to come and talk about it. I'm or sorry. Just can go I just ask a question? Tub. Go to Camden Tub. Yeah. So you know when they say like, you know, Ferrari, the sound of tearing paper. So what's an electric one? Is it like the sound of paper just sitting there? No, it just goes. It sounds. It's. It, it was it was cool. It was it's still a manual gearbox. Uh, when you're in gear, you basically don't need to use the clutch. You just wish you come to a dead stop. Like you can come to a dead stop. Uh, you never use the clutch, and then you could just cruise around in second gear. <laughs> First, you'll probably you know just roast roast the tires. The, tires. Yeah. Uh, the it has about eighty miles of range. Uh, it can do unless you shift into more. Third. It can, they want to see if they can beat the original top speed of the car, which they probably can. Um, it's a, it's a pretty rad car electric on Instagram. He's at electric Ferrari and then Jason, we shot video. So there's going to be video coming out and then Jason will talk about it on Camden tubbed and we'll have him back up here again soon to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Because they, he, uh, they made a buying decision. That's interesting too. They did. So we can, yeah, so we can talk about that too. Uh, but all of that in future episodes. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>
Thank you.